We love our pets. Our pets become our companions, friends, and family. We post pictures of them on social media. Pets have become parts of therapy. Pets have become support animals. But what is going on with the mental health of those who take care of them? Welcome listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery podcast, which is the follow-up to the book Addiction and Recovery, and I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier. This podcast explores discussions regarding important issues related to addiction and recovery. Information you learn here is not typical of what you will find in academic textbooks and resources and comes from my experiences as a clinical supervisor, substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor, along with the work I do with individuals and others involved in this field. Listen as we cover a wide topic, range of topics looking to educate individuals, families, communities, organizations, institutions, mental health professionals, educators, and anyone else impacted by addiction and recovery. So we are in May and it is Mental Health Awareness Month and we are going to talk about mental health among a specific population of people and that is veterinarians. I'm going to tell you about three specific events that occurred that has helped shine a light on mental health in relation to what people who care, treat, and help our pets are currently experiencing. Um, you know, prior to all of this, I admit I've known very little about you know issues that veterinarians face and what they experience in relation to mental health in particular. Yes, even as a mental health professional, I was not aware of what I'm going to share with you in this episode. So the first event was a trip to Washington. So back in March of 2020, I had an opportunity to work for my dad and his business um, for a consulting trip for a well-known pet hospital out in Washington. So this is March, right before the pandemic really hit. This was before flying restrictions and other things were happening and I remember talking about you know whether the trip would still happen or we would go because this was all starting to unfold at this very same time with the pandemic but after weighing everything out we decided to go we did some work for a well-known pet hospital and as what my father and I do we work with them on exploring the implications of different issues and you know strategic planning As we were working with this pet hospital, there were two issues that really caught my attention right away. And the first one was the use of telemedicine and vet practice. Now, as a counselor and clinical supervisor, this is something I've been paying attention to for quite a few years. And knowing this is a direction more or additional services were going to be offered. So we see this already a lot with psychiatrists. So it was only going to be a matter of time before that hit with counseling. Now, here we are exploring the issues with pet services. So I was very interested to see what we were going to find or discuss or, you know, discover in relation to telehealth and telemedicine with vets. So right away, my background with counseling and mental health and supervision was, you know, piquing my interest. Now, the second one that came up that immediately grabbed my attention and was concerning is the rates of suicide among veterinarians. And this was a real shock to me. And right away, you know, I'm starting to ask questions and wonder, you know, what is going on? 
that there is a rise in suicide with veterinarians. You know, I did not know this was something of an issue. So, you know, what was going on? And after the first day of working there, we returned to the hotel like usual. And I kind of started looking up like, what is this connection between the two or what's been going on? So I found an article that was by Time Magazine called Veterinarians Face Unique Issues That Make Suicide One of the Profession's Big Worries. So overall, I'm just going to give you like a brief kind of rundown of what was identified in relation to mental health and veterinarians. So some of the statistics that were identified was one in six veterinarians have considered suicide. And that was according to the American Veterinary Medical Association. The CDC found that between 1979 and 2015, nearly 400 veterinarians died by suicide. Female veterinarians are up to 3.5 times more likely to kill themselves than members of the general population. And there was another survey of more than 11,000 U.S. veterinarians in 2014, which found that 9% had current serious psychological distress, 31% had experienced depressive episodes, and 17% had experienced suicidal ideation since leaving veterinary school. And nearly 1 in 10 U.S. veterinarians suffer from serious psychological distress, yet only half are seeking help. One of the quotes in the article was, it can really be classified as an epidemic in my profession. So while researchers have known long that doctors are more likely to die by suicide than the general population, part of the article identified some of the unique factors that veterinarians are faced with and are some of the contributors to mental health as well as suicide. So I want to explore and talk a little bit about those. And there was a total of six that really kind of came out through some of this research. One of them was the patient. So this is the the animals and their patients are different and unique in a way that they cannot communicate with the veterinarians. So while they make noises and can show body language, they cannot speak or tell the veterinarian what is wrong. And that has to make it very uniquely challenging for treating someone. Like in my mind, I'm imagining someone coming into counseling and not being able to talk, speak, write, communicate in any way, like what is wrong with them. You know, that would be extremely challenging when it comes to providing services and treatment to, to help someone. You know, if you have a pet, you can relate, right? You might think something's wrong, but when it comes to asking questions and getting a response, you know, oftentimes you resort to, well, maybe we should take them to the vet and have them take a look. Like we can't ask and have them tell us what hurts, where it hurts, how much it hurts, or what's going on. So a part of that is a challenge of the work that they do with this population, the second factor was euthanizing treatable injuries or illnesses. So veterinarians are often tasked with having to euthanize a patient with a treatable injury and illness because its caretaker can't afford like medication or surgery. One of the quotes from the article said, you can say you're going to be stoic and put it out of your mind and say it's a part of being a veteran, but the reality is over time that weighs on you. And anyone who's an animal lover should be able to empathize with how difficult that must be for a veterinarian and people who work in those settings, that they are there because they love animals, they want to help, 
And sometimes they have to euthanize an animal that could be treated, but because of restraints and limitations, they are unable to do so. And the third one kind of branches off of that one because it's not just one, but they are also sometimes tasked with euthanizing large groups. So not just one healthy animal can be a weight in of itself, but they're sometimes tasked with having to put down large groups of otherwise healthy animals due to things like overcrowding. Another quote from the article was, it's not all puppies and kittens and wonderful experiences. There's a lot of pain involved. There was a period of time when I was putting down three pets a day. We go through veterinary school with the idea that we're going to save lives. To have to turn around and push a plunger is difficult. So not just having to do this with one animal or one time, but multiple times a day, even large groups of animals is not that idea of why they went into veterinary school. And that also leads into the fourth factor, which is they're often asked to perform services for free. And veterinarians apparently are constantly being asked to perform services or give out medications for free. And in 2018, Americans spent more than $72 billion on their pets and more than $18 billion was for vet care. And that was according to the American Pet Products Association. Pets live in nearly 85 million homes in the U.S., but only 2 million pets were insured in 2018. Some veterinarians report being asked to waive vet fees at least once per day. If they do not provide services for free, give out medications, or waive vet fees, they report being you know, cyberbullied or even harassed. A 2014 survey by the American Veterinary, Veterinary Medical Association found one in five veterinarians were either cyberbullied by pet owners who would write nasty reviews online or even threaten their business. And this is really difficult in many ways, but it's something that not a lot of other professionals have to deal with. I mean, there are times when a client or patient can't afford counseling or treatment services. We review all the options. We make referrals to places that might be able to help out or have other financial resources. But, you know, I've never been bullied or threatened because of someone not being able to pay and having to deny them services. But what makes this matter worse, and where I believe this is a lack of understanding, is actually the fifth point we're going to go into, which is financial struggles. So veterinary students in the U.S. graduated in 2018 with an average of $150,000 in debt. So this is especially true for young people entering the field they are already faced with financial struggles and add on top of it being frequently asked about waiving fees and services. And when you don't receive that or give it away, you might get threats of bullying. You know, that's, I think there's that misconception that we think if someone's a veterinarian or they work, you know, in like a medical setting, that must mean they make a lot of money or they make plenty of money. And the truth is, Veterinary students are already coming out of school in large debt and then being asked or pressured to perform services for free or give out medications. That's got to make that issue even more distressful. And then tying in 
The sixth point is, you know, lack of mental health. The other factor that was found concerning was the lack of mental health education and support for veterinarians. As the quote before stated, they did not learn about how to deal with even euthanizing healthy animals. I'm not putting a lot of belief that mental health among veterinarians and other people who take care of pets is being addressed. You know, one of the quotes was, I was really well educated on how to care, take care of animals. I was not well educated on how to take care of myself. So those six contributing factors and even some other ones have created what has been identified as a mental health crisis among veterinarians. You know, now after doing some work with them, we did find out that the pet hospital that we were working with was taking some initiatives, developing some programs, bringing in some mental health providers and services. While there's a lot of hope in what those programs can provide, it wasn't going to be like an overnight fix. So, you know, we were there for two days. Something that I was starting to learn more about, kind of shine more awareness about this issue. And then we finished our work and returned home. So that was the first event. The second event is about pets and the pandemic. So remember, this was early March. And then shortly after returning home, you know, the world changed. You know, I've talked about this a few times already in relation to addiction, recovery, and mental health. But the pandemic had impacted pretty much everyone in every profession in some way, shape, or form. So then what about the impact of the pandemic in pets? So remember, everything I just reviewed about mental health and veterinarians were all things identified prior to the pandemic. And then with the pandemic came a pet boom. So according to the American Pet Products Association, approximately 12.6 million U.S. households got a new pet last year after the pandemic was declared in March 2020. Few people relinquished their pets in 2020, so many more pets needed ongoing care. One of the largest national providers of preventative veterinary medicine had approximately half a million more pet visits in 2020 than in 2019, and that same place had its telehealth service more than doubled in volume from March to the end of last year. So interesting that that was a topic we explored right before the pandemic hit. And then another veterinary hospital primary group reported a 20% increase in demand during the pandemic. One of the unusual things that was happening, and I didn't really put this together, was people were spending more time at home. And now they were starting to pay more attention to their pets, which was resulting in people noticing like, limps, bumps, you know, things that were on their pets that sometimes often go unnoticed. So this was causing more of needs and services. So vets were already struggling to meet the demands pre-pandemic, and now it's facing additional demands for those services. In order to try and keep up with that, a lot of veterinarians across the country have extended hours, hired additional help, and unfortunately, at times had to refuse to take new patients because of not being able to keep up. One of the quotes about pets in the pandemic was, unfortunately, compassion, fatigue, anxiety, and depression already plagued our profession, and the pandemic has certainly taken it to another level.
So now here we are with what was happening prior to in a mental health crisis among veterinarians. Then we have the pandemic hit and how that impacted the profession. So then the third event was adopting a rescue dog. So our household became a home for a rescue dog during the pandemic. And I've always wanted a dog, but I never wanted to be a dog owner that was never around. With working so much, I wanted to wait until I was ready to be in a position to have a dog. But I've been around animals and other people's pets, you know, all my life. I love going to the zoo, seeing other zoos when I travel. I enjoy seeing animals and and deer when I'm running in the woods on the trails in here in Wisconsin. You know, documentaries, shows about animals. Love it. So I've always wanted to get a dog. So after purchasing a home and living in with living with my girlfriend, we both knew we wanted to get a dog eventually. And so we did. And we were fortunate enough to be able to adopt a rescue dog named Roxy. And she's actually featured on the cover art of this episode. And don't worry, I'll put some other pictures of her on social media pages. And she's absolutely incredible. She loves her mom. And and some people say she's a daddy girl. She came from a rough background. And we, we try our hardest to give her the best home that we can. And she gives us a really good home. And that's the relationship we have with our pets, right? We try to bring love into their lives and we know they bring love into ours. And we try to do anything for them. You know, whatever she needs, I'm I'm pretty much saying, well, whatever it is, you know, we'll take care of it. We'll figure it out. And we adopted her back in December of 2020. And from that moment on, we have had to interact and work with a variety of people whose profession it is to take care of animals. You know, we worked with the people at the shelter where we adopted her, the veterinarian clinic where she's been taken a few times, you know, the trainers we have working with her and helping her. And we even have a a new dog sitter who we are trusting to take care of her when we are gone. So there there are two points to all of this right here is that we wouldn't have Roxy if it if it wasn't for the people who dedicated their lives to doing this work. We and many other people, you know, are very fortunate that we've been able to get her because of other people doing things in order for us to be able to have that opportunity. You know, we're very fortunate enough to get her and we had help in doing that. The second point is that we need other people to do things for our pets that we cannot do. You know, we need people to take care of them, treat them, and even watch over them sometimes. Those people need to be taken care of as well. They need to be able to get mental health issues addressed and receive support services in order to do that and do that without being bullied and harassed. So what do we do about our pets and the vets and mental health? So here are my tips. There's three of them. First one is understanding. We need to understand that veterinarians are facing unique challenges and situations that are having an impact on their mental health. Those are the ones that I reviewed 
right from the get-go. We need to understand that they're experiencing a mental health crisis. We need to understand that with the pandemic, they're now facing additional demand and challenges to take care of our pets. So understanding the challenges and issues that veterinarians and people who provide for our pets are going through. The second thing is kindness and gratitude. Just hearing and reading some of what's been going on with that and what they go through just makes you want to do your best to help them out. You know, with what they are experiencing and how some people are treating them, we need to treat them with as much kindness and gratitude as we can. We don't get many interactions with them. They're kind of short-lived. So when we do, we need to make them count. You know, we go to them when we need help for things that we can't do for our pets. And we are happy and relieved when we return home and our pets are recovering or they are in good care. Or now they're smiling at us and they're happy. We have to remember that someone helped with that. Staff members helped them do that. You know, thank them enough to the point where they tell you to stop thanking them. And just thank them one more time. You know, after we adopted Roxy, we emailed the shelter and just gave them an update on how she was doing and thanked them for helping us with the process of adopting her. You know, when they take care of our pets, they're doing something for the animal and they're also doing something for us. So it shouldn't be too much for us to try and do something for them. The third one is we need mental health and support. You know, to all of those who are in professions and services to help our pets, there are mental health services out there. There are programs and there are initiatives being developed. We need to keep talking about this and providing support and services for all of you in this profession. We have to keep talking with one another and let people know about the needs of mental health among veterinarians. You know, talk with your coworkers, follow up with, you know, organizations and agencies you know look up some programs that are out there but there is support and help out there so i want to conclude with a little bit of like a challenge if you are someone who has a pet i challenge you to write a card and give it to someone who has helped in taking care of them it can be your vet, it can be the shelter, or whatever you, wherever you got them from. It can be someone who provides training, or even someone that has pets it for you. You know, write them a card showing kindness and gratitude, and send it to them. And let me know who they are. I'm going to post something about this on social media. Share with me some of these people, and I will send out some cards and podcast stickers to some of them. You know, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and this is a population that. Without these events, I don't know when or if I would have become aware of the mental health struggles veterinarians are experiencing. So let's keep these discussions going because I know, I know there are a lot of other professions who are also going through their own mental health struggles. And maybe talking about it in relation to veterinarians will give hope to other professions to shine a light on helping them as well. I learned a lot more about something I wasn't very aware of before all of this. So I hope you learned something as well. Thanks for listening.